when I made the decision to uh, leave my job, I went and saw the cardiologist again. And I told her I had left. She almost fell on the floor. I said, well, listen, you said the job was causing the stress and I need to get rid of what was causing the stress. So I left my job. Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today, after being class president in high school and graduating six in his class with honors, then chose Vanderbilt University. He majored in communications and was captain of the football team. His company, True7Life, works with individuals and organizations looking to make their employees more comfortable and confident presenters. Also a podcast coach, he's the host of a podcast called The True7Life Podcast, a podcast featuring self-employed business heroes making an impact and co-host of a second podcast called Beyond the Stars, where he and astrologer Crystal Warren demystify some of the suspicions behind astrology. He lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and is currently working on his debut book, Finding Your Voice, a journey of becoming a better presenter. He credits a lot of his success to his faith in God and that he can control his attributes to his three favorite words, love, attitude, and effort. As an entrepreneur, he has a premium CBD line called True7CBD. Of the 20 oils in his line, 15 are terpene-based and feature high milligram concentrations for those experiencing chronic issues. True7CBD also has a line of cosmetic topicals that include facial cleanser, eye serum, and charcoal masks, among other items. My guest today is Tavares Hogans. Tavares, thank you for being on the Stressless Entrepreneur podcast today. Tommy, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Tavares, the reason why I wanted to get you on the show today is because You've recently quit your corporate job to be in the entrepreneurial space. So I'd like to not just hear about your personal growth story in the corporate space, but also the current challenges and your future vision for what it is that is the Tavares Hogan's brands and business model. Is that okay with you? That is. That's a mouthful. So stop me at any time uh, you need me to expand on anything or if I'm not clear. Sure. Once again, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity in the platform. You know, you said I recently quit my job. I don't like to quit things and I don't like to be uh, known as a quitter. I like to say I fired my boss Mm -hmm, recently. mm -hmm. And I had just got to a point in my career where I think the direction that I was going in and I believe my, not necessarily trajectory, but my runway in the company that I was working for, it was, I believe, not lining up. So, you know, at that point, I made the decision to not look around and complain and, and be in the woe is me mindset. And I, I decided I'd take my fate into my own hands. Mm-hmm. So I left that company. And in terms of personal growth, you know, I think it's been a little bit less than six months. So even though you can do it a large amount of growing, in a period of 24 hours, and there has been a lot of growth. I think the best is yet to come. But I can say for myself, just making the decision to pull away, which is one of the most difficult things that I've ever done, it took an amount of courage that I did not have. I still honestly don't know how I mustered up what it takes to uh, to say, hey, 
this isn't working out. We have to part ways, you know, let's, let's make this thing work for both sides. Yep. It was very emotional for me. Uh, it was a company that I'd been with for quite some time, a company that I loved and still love. I still do a bit of business with, with those guys. So it was, it was very difficult, mm -hmm. but from a personal growth standpoint, it was also empowering just knowing that my security blanket was no longer there. Everything that was going to happen for Tavares Hogan's from this point on, and granted, I'm certainly going to have a lot of help, but it's going to be on my back. Like I don't have the comfort of a conglomerate behind me. And for me, for some people, that's, that's a bit scary. And it was prior to making the decision, but for me, it was, it was empowering being able to uh, control my own fate. Challenges that I faced <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, you eat what you kill. So if you don't kill anything, you don't eat. And getting started, I think most entrepreneurs, they'll say, you know, getting started is the biggest challenge, you know, putting yourself out there and gaining that confidence in other people has been somewhat of a challenge. Yep. But I face challenges head on. It's more of an opportunity, I believe, than a challenge. And I feel like I'm the person for the job and I'm excited about it. And then the, the third part of your question, vision, it's interesting because I think for the last probably 12 months, my biggest prayer, at least six months, has been clarity. And I've been telling everybody that I can in my life, like, clarity is my prayer. And interestingly enough, I get certain visions and the picture clears up a little bit and it clears up a little more and it clears up a little more. But right now, the vision is two services and two products. My two services are presentation skills coaching and podcast coaching, the two products that I have. I have a book coming out late summer and I have a CBD line that I started early August. It was the first thing I did when I pulled away from the corporate world. So mm -hmm. there you have it. I want to mention a couple of things in that. You speak about being empowered and what moving out of the corporate world and being an entrepreneur does in terms of providing empowerment. I also see that at the moment, you know, because, you know, I've started the podcast, I've started a personal brand and there's a different type of feel or emotion that comes through when I'm working in this type of environment. You know, although I am working full time, there's a different type of, again, atmosphere. And I just wanted to point that out. Absolutely. The, the second thing was clarity. Do you feel as though you lost sight of clarity because you were working for a company for so long and you were always under the banner of a company and now the company is you in a sense? I don't at all. Honestly, I feel like everything in my life, be it good, be it bad, however we look at things has been intentional. So I feel like being in this corporate structure for the last 20 years empowered me to be in the position that I'm in. If I wouldn't have had the relationship with the two companies that I've been with for the last 17 years, I wouldn't be in this position right now and have the ability to have this conversation. Yep. For me, the difference between being under a corporate structure and working for yourself and everybody's experience is different, but I didn't have as much creative liberty as I have now. Not that collaboration and all of that isn't a good thing, but when you feel like you've worked to a certain place and you have a history of success and you've seen things be done a certain way, you have a pretty good idea of how the future should be. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a corporate structure, it's a team environment and you don't always have the final say. Working for myself, I have the final say and I have the creative liberty to um, 
push some boundaries at the end of the day. You also have your own story of business burnout and stress. Are you able to share that with our audience? So recently in my corporate career, I was getting more exposure within the company and taking on more responsibility. And at one point I've always, you know, worked out and been pretty healthy, but my back had started just breaking down and I was having all this pain in my back and it just, it didn't make sense. And what I realized is that there was a bit of stress getting to me. Now, mind you, I played sports in front of hundreds of thousands of people on many different levels at many different times. I had a 15 year plus sales career with the company that closed books every month. So the stress that comes with that, I managed the distributor, helping them drive to a number, the stress that comes with that. So stress was something that I had dealt with my entire life. And I just didn't imagine it being something that would hit that close to home. So I realized that um, the stress was affecting me physically. So I did what I needed to do to take care of my physical body. You know, I went and got acupuncture and did some different things and yoga and some different things to fix that. Yep. Well, about a year later, I'm on vacation and I'm in the Bahamas of all places. I'm sitting out at the pool and the ocean is like 80 feet away, just in paradise. And I started having these adrenaline bouts about three or four times a day. And I just, I couldn't understand it. I'm here in paradise, but um, I'm anxious. And a good friend of mine, he's in the medical field and he works with cardiologists and I shared it with him and he couldn't figure it out. And, you know, I talked to my wife about it and she couldn't figure it out. And about two weeks later, it was still going on. And he was like, listen, man, I've known you for forever. And with anyone else, this would have been the first thing I, I would come to. But with you, I didn't even think it would be an issue. But he was like, could it be stress related to the job? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never imagined after everything that I've been to, my job would be calling causing stress. So I went to see a cardiologist and I'm an A-type personality, you know, used to winning. And she said, listen, you're going to have to pull back a little bit. Like you're going to have to take your job a little less serious. And I basically said, how? Like, that's not an option. Like I'm not cut out to not go all in all the time. And she said, look, you're going to have to. So I left and I'm like, I have no clue. Like I'll try, but that doesn't even make sense. But slowly started to set in. And I realized that if I didn't start taking care of myself, that the level that I was operating at, it would literally kill me. And a lot of that, some of that definitely led to the reason that I left my employer because I needed to get my health into the position that it needed to be in. There's also another thing I'd like to point out is that in your particular scenario, when it comes to that moment where you realized you were stressed, there's a key thing in there and that is stress can build up over varying different times of your career and you can feel stressed immediately or you can feel stressed over a week. But then if for your case, you know, you can build stress over multiple years and the moment your body tells you, hey, I'm starting to shut down, you know, you are doing things to help reduce stress, but you're not removing the trigger points. And it looks as though the trigger point was actually your work environment. Sadly enough, that's what it was. You know, the stress hit my back 
And uh, I was able to shift and get rid of that. But when it comes to your heart, the stress basically said, okay, I couldn't get your attention there. Let me go to your heart. And then when it goes there, it gets a bit serious. So when I made the decision to uh, leave my job, I went and saw the cardiologist again. And I told her I had left. She almost fell on the floor. I said, well, listen, you said the job was causing the stress and I need to get rid of what was causing the stress. So I left my job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You spoke about your CBD line in the initial introduction because CBD isn't as widely known in Australia at the moment, mm -hmm. particularly because if there is a certain, I think, percentage of THC, which is, I think, over 0.005%, it's deemed as an illicit substance. Mm -hmm. Are you able to just quickly describe to our listeners what CBD is and why you decided to venture into that space? Yeah. And so over here in the US, similar to that, there has to be a certain threshold of THC in your products or it won't be legal. So in the US, our standards are 0.3% THC delta as a max. Okay. The difference between THC and CBD, THC contains the euphoric contents of the hemp plant and CBD is non-euphoric. It's more of the medicinal. But for me, there are probably about five different instances of CBD coming across my plate. And I didn't want to be the person at the top of the building praying for God to rescue them. And, you know, I was sent the boat, I was sent the plane, I was sent all these different things and I didn't grasp the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So after about the fifth time, this CBD conversation came, came across my desk. The last time was a person that I respected. So I chose to entertain the conversation. He put me in touch with some individuals. And then I went to a conference and I heard a couple stories that were just very compelling and impactful to me. I heard a story about a lady that was going across the border and risking her safety because her kid was having seizures and how CBD helped reduce the amount of seizures that her kid was having from hundred seizures today to a very minimal amount of seizures. Mm -hmm. And then I heard uh, just a impactful story from a Marine that uh, was suffering from PTSD. And those two stories, I won't get into details of that, but those two stories were emotional enough for me that compelled me to want to get into this game to be able to help people. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's more of a health and wellness opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to give back and help people enjoy their lives and be able to wake up every day and get the most out of the day. Yeah, and do you have any personal experience with using CBD? Interestingly enough, my struggle early on with this company, I have an athletic background and for all of my life, I've always been natural. I don't like taking supplements. I don't really like taking drugs or anything. Yeah. And I was at a conference and a CBD conference actually. And after three days of standing all day, my calves were just killing me. And uh, my manufacturer was there and I, it never really dawned on me that I could use my own products. I just, if something was bothering me, I would just either get off of my feet or do what it to rest and get that body part into a better position. Yep. But I knew having products, I was going to eventually have to try them. So at this conference, we have this product that a lot of people had been raving about. It's, it's a roll on, it's a topical. And I rolled it on my calves and the next two days, I'm not going to say it, it went away 100%, but it probably reduced it by 
a good 70%. And I was able to maintain the next two days of the conference. Yep. But overall, I'm not a big supplement, be it natural, artificial, or anything user, but I have had to sample some of my products. And in relating to stress, I try to live a pretty stressless life. I haven't taken CBD for stress, but when I have taken my products for an anti-inflammatory benefit or pain, it does seem to calm the mood as well. Yeah, and I want to bring your point back to using CBD for stress. And it's important for our listeners to understand that there are many different ways and tools and techniques we can use to manage stress or manage trauma. And it all depends on how our body reacts to each and every method, but also understanding that we need to do our research for what's best for us as well. So I don't want to let our audience know that, you know, oh, yes, CBD, just use that and you'll you'll be cured or, you know, it, you'll have massive impacts. It's about understanding how CBD can help us in our lives relative to all the other tools that we yet have or haven't tried. Absolutely. And even owning a CBD company, it's one of my last lines of defense. Like, I think you should look at some of your habits. So for me, I wouldn't take CBD over going to the gym. I wouldn't take CBD over getting adequate sleep. I wouldn't take CBD over taking breaks throughout the day and going outside and just enjoying nature. I like people. I like being around people. I wouldn't substitute CBD for those personal relationships that I have. Yep. If I've went through all of that and I see CBD as an avenue to support some of these behaviors, then I would, I would recommend it. CBD isn't an answer. It's just going to support some of the things that help reduce stress. I know that, for example, children who have suffered seizures, that aromatherapy is also a great methodology, especially using lavender to assist with re reducing seizures. So, you know, there are different forms of tools that many of us can use. And again, yeah, it's about understanding that. If there was one thing in your sporting career that has transferred over to your corporate industry and currently, is there something that you'd like to mention just to say that? because you've been in the professional sporting field that has transferred over to your other skills? Yeah, there, there are so many things, but I think the most important thing is probably mindset. Mm -hmm. There was a workout that we did over the summer. I think it was my rising senior year, Todd Suttles, he was a strength coach. And we had a run called 40-40s. We would run the 40-yard dash and we would do it 40 times. And I wanted to get in the best shape that I could going from my junior year to my senior year. I only had one year of uh, playing left in college. So we had that workout. And um, one thing that bothered me about working out was when, let's say, for instance, you have 20 reps of something that you're going to do, especially with running. Let's say we had, let's say we were running 20 forties. Yep. Every time our strength coach would say it's the last one, it seemed like everybody had, this new resurgence of energy. Everybody wanted to give it their all on the last one. Mm -hmm. I took a bit of a different approach. I wanted to give it my all for as long as I could. So when we did the workout, you know, the first couple of times I would go all out and I would slow down after about the 13th 40. And then the next time we'd come back, I'd be in better shape and I would start slowing down after the 26th 40. And then the next time I would, I would be in the thirties that I could go as, as hard as I could until it slowed down. And then it got to one point where, and I don't know if this was the right way of going about it, but I would challenge people on my team to come down and run with me. And I challenged anybody to beat me 
on one single 40. You got 40 chances. I told mm-hmm. myself I was going to win every single 40, including the last one after everyone had kind of saved themselves and was going to go out and give it their all on that last 40. So I got to a point where at any point in the workout you came out, if it was number 13, I was going to win it. If it was number 17, if it was number 21, if it was number 27, I was going to win it. If it was number 31, I was going to win it. And on the last one, when everybody was saving up, I still was going to win it. So for me, it was a mindset that I'm going to give my all for as long as I can, and we're going to see what happens. And when there's a prescribed workout, I can work myself to a point where I'm going to win every single rep here. And that's translating into the business world for me. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that because there's intent to train, but then there's intent to win and succeed, right? And when you know what's in front of you, some people like to taper, to take it easy and kind of lead themselves into business or whatever the project is. But then if you're going all in from the beginning, you're able to do your best to kind of stay up at a certain level but also assess how long you can sustain that level as well. So initially, when this workout, the 40 dash you were doing, the first time you would have done it, it would have been much harder to sustain that all-in kind of effort mentally, right? But then the more you do it, the easier it becomes, and you can just sustain that for, I guess, the entire workout. Absolutely, absolutely. Tommy, have you ever heard of a movement called a burpee? Yes. Are you referring to the fitness movement? Yeah, we're just dropping down on the ground and popping back up, so you're familiar yep. with it. Yes, yes. I was watching a, something on YouTube where I think a guy challenged himself to do 100 burpees a day for the next 30 days. He did like 3,000 burpees in 30 days. Yep. And burpees are very difficult if you have to do multiple burpees. In my opinion, it's more of a mental workout than a physical workout. But the guy who did the 100 burpees a day for the next 30 days, his body had changed a little bit, obviously, and all of that. He said his posture had been better. But he gave me something that has changed my attitude towards burpees and it made me love burpees. He said more than anything, what he realized through this journey of doing all these burpees, a burpee is nothing but falling down and getting back up. Mm-hmm. So for me, anytime we fall down from a business standpoint, from a physical standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, it's about getting back up. So from here on out, Tommy, I love burpees. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when I used to do a bit of CrossFit in the fitness side of things, anytime I saw burpees in a workout, I'd be like, how am I going to get through this? Because a burpee can get your heart rate going up real quick. Oh, yeah. And initially, when you're falling down, you're supporting yourself with your hands, but then you'll get to a point where you will literally just drop and your chest will just hit the floor. And then getting back up is one of the hardest parts as well, because if you're not breathing properly and if you're bumping your chest into the ground, you will get dizzy. So not a big fan of burpees. Yeah, to your point, getting up is the hardest part. And that's the thing. Anytime you fall down, getting up is the hardest part. Yep. So, I mean, we, t- we talk about stress. And I, I like to try to find little games in life or opportunities, I guess, in life to make things better. And, I mean, this is a little thing, but there are a couple of uh, couple athletes that I mentor. And when we're given a difficult task, it's easy for that initial reaction to be, a little bit of dejection if it's a difficult task. I mean, let's say somebody came to you, Tommy, and they said, you know what, you've got to run six miles today. Your reaction isn't necessarily going to be excitement. What I realized is the more I dread that six miles or whatever that task is, the more difficult 
it's going to be. The more stress I put on it, the more difficult it's going to be. So what I've told my athletes in terms of mindset and lowering stress levels, don't even give the opportunity or that energy to whatever the workout is. Like, don't give into that negative mindset, but act like it's going to be defeated. Because regardless of how you feel, you have to do it. If you dread doing it, it's going to be a worse workout. If you attack the workout, it's going to be a better workout. And we're talking sports here, but this is in sports. This is in life. This is in relationships. This is business. It's universal. Our attitude is going to affect our performance. So whenever we're given whatever the mandate is, let's just uh, fix our attitude that we're going to tear through it. And it's going to be a much better experience. And it's going to be a lot less stressful. Talking about stress and things that dread you, are there currently those type of thoughts and challenges in your current scenario with your entrepreneurial journey? You know, Tommy, sometimes I'm so naive that I don't even see the danger ahead, which mm -hmm. I appreciate. I don't want to give the current times much energy because I really don't feel like it deserves that. Now, there are some people that are definitely going through some things, and I don't want to make light of that. But my situation, I've worked myself to be in a position to deal with some of the tumultuous times that we're facing right now. I am human now. Let's, I don't want to oversell it. Some people that I've been doing business with, obviously, they're pulling back. And thoughts will creep in my mind like, okay, I've got some major bills that are coming up. Business was rolling pretty good. What's going to happen now? But Tommy, I'm 41 years old. And I've got to be honest, I've gotten to a position. And part of what helped me be where I am is just looking back on my 41 years of life, there have definitely been things that I've wanted that I didn't have. There's never been a need that hasn't been met. So if history is a good indicator, I just don't see any challenges coming in the future because I haven't, I haven't experienced that. Have I experienced hard times? Absolutely. Have I went without? Absolutely. Have things been stretched thin? Absolutely. But I've never been without. I've never been I can't say I hadn't been on my last because I've been in some, you know, some very low situations, but even then things were still okay. So there's nothing that I can go back in my life and look at and say, it's not going to be okay. I love that you say that because I have a lot of friends at the moment who have had to pivot majorly because of the COVID-19 scenario or because they've lost their job there's so much uncertainty on the next six months or maybe even 12 months. So I love how you reframe the thought that everything you've done has gotten you to this point and you will be able to pull through this and understand that what happens next, you're able to have confidence in your ability to tackle those moments. Absolutely. Let's talk about your podcasting venture and your podcasting coaching are you able to describe to our audience what that entails yeah so i've been podcasting for about a year and a half now and i host a podcast for a corporate company and i always had the desire to uh i don't know if i've always had this, the desire but i always had the belief that i would parlay this into my own podcast it's called the true seven life podcast and basically i host the podcast and i interview self-employed business heroes that are making an impact in society. And 
what I enjoy about being on the other side of the microphone is just hearing these stories and uncovering these stories of greatness that people are doing out here today. And I just want to give ex exposure to that. Yep. So that's one of the podcasts that I'm doing. I actually was at a festival pod fest actually a couple of weeks ago, and I met a young lady by the name of Crystal Warren. She's an astrologer. And we were just having a, a quick catch up and we were going back and forth and kind of engaging and going deeper into some things. And I like accountability. So, you know, I asked her what was keeping her from doing her podcast. And, you know, she pretty much said nothing. And then she flipped it on me and she asked if I would like to uh, host it with her. Mm -hmm. And the subject matter was engaging and intriguing enough. And our banter had so much chemistry that I agreed. And um, that podcast is coming out May 31st. It's called Beyond the Stars. So that's kind of my current podcasting journey. And with that, like I said, I'm kind of discovering this next phase. But with all of this knowledge of podcasting, why not parlay it and, and help others, um, you know, bring their podcast dreams to life also? That's where the podcast coaching comes in. At. Mm -hmm. And are there some challenges that you're facing at the moment in terms of launching the podcast, uh, marketing the podcast, or just being out there in that social media environment? You know, I had a friend that I played with in college and, you know, he, he went on to the NFL. And I think someone asked him a question about going to the NFL being a dream of his. And uh, he reframed and he said, it, it's not really a dream. It's, it's more of a goal on his road of other goals. A lot of people see certain things as so huge and insurmountable. And, you know, it, it's all relative, but we keep talking about this term challenge and, it, and, and it's a challenge. And, you know, some people like to wordsmith things and flip challenges into opportunities. I don't know if I'm that person, but I just don't look at challenges in the normal sense that I believe some people do. I won't generalize, mm -hmm. but there are hurdles and obstacles. But again, I've got 41 years of success. I think it's just a matter of time and going through certain things. But to, to address it, being 41 and being in corporate America for so long and being a people person I never engaged in social media. I wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't on Instagram. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have any of that. And for months, even after I left, I had conversation after conversation with people talking about the need and the necessity of social media, but no one could explain to me why it was necessary. Yep. So I said, listen, everybody's saying you have to have it, but nobody can explain why. And for me, all I saw is, a lot of people getting consumed and not living a true seven life, so to speak, on social media. I, I just heard the negatives of it. But what I realized as I started my CBD company and I started doing some presentation skills coaching, I realized my customer was on social media. And in order for me to grow my business, I was going to have to grow my social media presence. So for me, kind of being resistant to that is definitely a hurdle because I have people in my ear saying you have to do things this way and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I just don't subscribe to the school of thought that you have to do everything the way everybody else has done it. So that in itself is probably one of the biggest opportunities over here on my side of the microphone. 
I like your approach to the word challenges, you know, not really in your vocabulary. And it's just another step or another moment in your journey that is Tavares Hogan's, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, listen, there is always going to be a check and a balance. A friend of mine I know, he's in the Navy, and I think on submarines they talk about uh, like watertight integrity or something. But anytime you set out to do something, there's always going to be a check to see if you're serious about it. And I feel like these quote unquote challenges, they're just there to see if I'm really serious about what I'm saying I'm going to do. And as soon as you step over some of these obstacles, you know, the road gets a lot clearer. Yep. And going back to your comment about social media, I think there's two sides to social media. And the negative side is the the vanity, the people who live a fake life and who just like to show off, right? But then there's also the authentic side who are there to reach out authentically and being the person they are, spreading their teachings to provide value to the customers. And a lot of people get trapped initially starting off with trying to be authentic, but then get trapped into going through that vanity and, and start comparing themselves to all the other people that are on that platform? Yeah, I would have to agree. And, you know, to your point, obviously not being on social media, you wouldn't know that there is that great side out there, people that are trying to do real business and good business and quality business, and they're true to themselves and they're true to their morals and ethics and beliefs and all of that. And I've been fortunate enough to find a lot of those communities. And just last night, I was actually doing another podcast and I was taking pictures to put it up on social media. And the lady that I was working with, she said, you know, your lighting isn't right. Let me take the picture from this angle or let me do this or let me do that. Yep. And it was okay for like the first two or three times, but I'm like, listen, I don't care if the lighting is not right. Like I'm not trying to post the best me or whatever. Like, listen, I just recorded a podcast. I want to put it out there. I mean, if I lose some followers or if I lose some business because I don't have the most photogenic pictures or whatever, well, so be it. I've got 41 years worth of being taken care of. I feel like I'm going to be good for the, the next, hopefully, 61. And I don't mean that from an arrogant or egotistical standpoint, but I've just got to trust in some other things versus trusting in having a perfect photo. Yeah, and and um, as I think about that, that's one of the biggest traps is you're so focused on getting the right shot or the right moments that you're actually not embracing the moment that's there. For example, if you're watching the fireworks, you know, you're just holding your hands up, watching the fireworks through a video screen rather than just enjoying what it's actually in front of you. Tommy, you're coming down my street right now. There's a saying <laughs> that I have. It's called be where your feet are. And it's really about being present, you know, people have said it a couple of different kinds of ways, but for me, being where your feet are is being present in the moment. Right now I'm recording a podcast. I'm not worried about what's going on down the street. I'm not worried about what's going on at my cousin's house. I'm not worried about what's going on somewhere else in another environment. I'm choosing to be where my feet are, be present and get everything I can out of the current situation. Talking about current situation, we know that you're launching the podcast and there is a book coming out as well. Has the current situation with COVID-19 affected your approach to releasing those in any way? You know, it's actually sped up uh, the book writing process. Uh, okay. For me, writing the book, it's, it's just been challenging from a motivation standpoint. 
I have to really get my mind right. And it took a while for me to power through the writing process. And I thought I was going to take a week or maybe two and then get right into the editing phase. It took me about a month to get back into the saddle and uh, start editing. Mm-hmm. But one thing I told myself was, and I've been working with the coach, she's great. One thing I told myself is I'm going to walk downstairs every day and attempt to either write in this book or attempt to edit the book. But if it's not an enjoyable experience, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to be miserable through it. I'm going to shift gears and do something else. And um, it wasn't that it wasn't enjoyable, but I just needed a break from the exhausting writing period. And then it got to a point where I came downstairs and I was energized and I said, I'm going to tear through and, and start editing. And I'm probably, I'm, I'm 99% done with the editing process. I went through all 10 chapters. There are a couple things I got to move from, you know, one chapter to the other and vice versa. And when I'm done with that, I'm going to send it off to the editors and we're looking at title and book cover and all of that stuff. And, you know, by midsummer, this thing should be out. Yeah, just quickly for our audience, are you able to just let them know what the book is about? So the last three years in the corporate space, I was in learning and development, and the most requested training was presentation skills. And at that point, I came up with the idea that I wanted to write this book on presentation skills. I always wanted to write a book anyway, but I figured this would be my first book. It's an easy topic, (laughs) what I thought was an easy topic. Let me just put it out. So the book is on presentation skills, but I'll take it one step further. For me, I had a journey of becoming a better presenter. And through that journey, it was uh, very empowering for me. So for me, it's not just about presentation skills, but in my journey of becoming a better presenter, I was able to find my voice and speak up for myself. I was a guy that would be in meetings and I would have a point to make, but because of nervousness or anxiety or just maybe not being fully confident, I wouldn't speak out. And for a lot of my career, I had things dictated to me just because I wouldn't speak up. But when I became a better presenter, it allowed me to speak up in those situations and thus allowed me to find my voice. So the name of the book is Finding Your Voice. Wonderful. And that's, I know that's, a lot of our listeners and entrepreneurs, when they're in meetings, do suffer that anxiety of having the voice, of having the confidence to speak up. Is there any quick tips that you can provide to them to say, to help them get through that social anxiety or just not having the confidence to speak up? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of presentation skills is, is situational. The most difficult thing with presentation skills is that in order to get better, you have to practice. Like you have to have reps. If you want to be a better free throw shooter, you have to shoot free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge with presentation skills and presenting is it's so scary that we don't do it. And there's no way to get better unless you do it. So I would say my three tips when it comes to presentation skills is preparation, authenticity, and engagement. But when you're in a meeting, you don't have a lot of time to prepare. Obviously you can be authentic and nine times out of 10, you're going to be asking a question or replying to something. So engagement isn't necessarily there either. 
what I would offer is if you know you're going to be in a meeting and you know what the topic is going to be about, try to anticipate what some of your challenges could be or would be. And think about how you would frame a question or a rebuttal or a statement, preferably a question though, because when it comes to these meetings and upper management, they really don't like statements against what they're saying. But if you pose your position in the form of a question, then it's more likely to open the lines of communication. So anticipate those questions that you would have and honestly practice them, rehearse them, get in front of the mirror and tell yourself that you're going to ask those questions. Now there'll still be, you know, a level of nervousness and anxiety, but that's when the courage has to kick in and tell yourself you're going to do it. And once you've practiced it, you're comfortable with asking the question. I think you'll be good when the, uh, when the time and the opportunity presents. Yeah. As you're saying that I'm thinking about all the previous meetings that I've recently been to. And when it comes to anticipation, you know, I do exactly just that. And I think about who's the target audience, who's actually in there and the type of personality styles that are in there. So that kind of dictates how I can present myself when it comes to asking the questions. And when it, when it comes to asking questions, I love that you say ask questions because my thought process is you have to let them find the answer themselves or you have to sway them into thinking that they're the ones that created the answer or, you know, thought of the answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And questions are less defensive than statements against what somebody is saying. And nine times out of 10, you're not the only person that has that question. So pose it as a question. And then you check that box of preparation. If you prepare the question, it should be authentic to who you are. And a question is, is definitely a form of engagement. So although difficult, when you prepare those questions, it hits my top three presentation skills tips. Now, knowing what you know in terms of your body and your body's response to stress, how do you manage stress currently? I say all that to say things that I try to do, definitely going to the gym, in my opinion, it helps keep that heart strong and your lungs strong. From a cardio standpoint, I feel like I'm doing all I can to affect that area. Adequate sleep, I think that's underrated. Mm -hmm. People talk about working hard and no sleep and all of that. And that sounds good, but that's just, it's not good. So I try to get eight hours however I can. And I think that's one good thing about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, we want to work as hard as we can, as long as we can and outwork everybody, but we have to take care of ourselves or we won't be here. So adequate sleep for me is very important. Earlier, I mentioned going outdoors. So I try to take breaks whenever I think of it, go outdoors and take five or 10 minutes and just smell the fresh air and experience life uh, throughout the day. And I try to have conversations. Lastly, I try to have conversations with people that, that I love and enjoy being around. And for me, those are kind of my, my personal stressless tips. But I want to add one more thing mm -hmm. because I like to give people practical ways of kind of helping and dealing with stress. One thing that I realized is when I have places that I have to be and I have to be there by a certain time, if it takes me 30 minutes to get there and I leave only 30 minutes to get there, Tommy, how do you think my level of stress will be while I'm driving there? Well, you're just scared that you'll be late, right? Because then it's like, even if you're just late a minute, you'll be rushing 
just to gain that extra minute. Right. So if I give myself an extra 15, an extra 20, even an extra 30 minutes to get there, how will that drive be different than the one we just referenced? Yeah, you can take your time. If something stops and distracts you, you can take a moment and pause and you would lead into that particular destination a lot more calm. Yeah, there's there's less road rage. There's less weaving in and out of traffic. You know, the probability of getting in an, in an accident is less. So if I can give any information, my information would be any of you guys that may be dealing with stress and, and road rage or anything like that, or, or let's just take it back to stress overall. If you have a destination that you have to be at by a certain time, allow yourself 15 to 30 minutes extra time in addition to the time that it would take you to get there. Allot yourself that extra time. And I believe that single thing in and of itself will help lower your levels of stress. You talk about getting enough sleep and making sure that leading up to a meeting or a destination that you provide yourself plenty of time so that you aren't stressed when you get there. One of my previous episodes, I talk about what are the things you are doing leading up to your sleep. So if you can't fall asleep because you're stressed or you're too excited, then maybe you shouldn't be watching that tennis game right before you go to sleep. Or maybe you shouldn't, you know, having tough conversations with yourself where it gets you excited, those type of thoughts prior to going to bed. So it's about integrating some of those thoughts and dialing down and calming down just before you go to bed. So I love that type of conversation. Absolutely. Tav, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for being on the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Be you, be true. Hashtag true seven life. There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel, and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on hello at the stresslessentrepreneur.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.